Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. If you care to see a video presentation of these sermons, you must use the Spotify app to see the videos. Otherwise, continue in the medium that you've chosen and you will get the audio version only. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage. We're in our Walking with Abraham series. We're in Genesis 14 and we're going to explore Melchizedek. But before we jump into him specifically, I want to deal with the issue behind the name of our Lord. Why is God's name not Jehovah? Father, we do thank you and praise you that your mercy and goodness follow us all the days of our life. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're trying to lead us, but we are walking. And so we pray that you'll use your rod and your staff to bring us back to the path and bring us to where you want us to be. Now we turn to your word once again to speak to us like only you can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word and the message that you give to us through your spirit this morning. In Jesus' mind, name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're walking with Abraham. And uh, I guess I forgot to change the title of this slide, but uh, we're in Genesis 14 this time. And, and last time we left off with Genesis 13, and there was a lot going on. We're going to deal with Lot tonight. So we're still going to stay in this chapter, so I'm going to jump ahead to verse 18, and we'll cover what's going on with Lot, because we did Lot last Sunday night, and I want to continue that uh, tonight. So I want to jump ahead, and I think you'll be interested in this. In Genesis chapter 14, jump to verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Avram, Abram, the, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies in thy hand. And he gave him a tithes of all. I want to explore this morning Melchizedek. I just want to explore that because it's going to go along with what we're doing in the morning message. And we'll get back to Lot uh, tonight. So, praise the Lord. So, Melchizedek actually can be uh, translated as King of Righteousness. And we get that from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2. Where in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews uh, says, To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, referring to this Melchizedek. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. And so I want to focus on it. Now, interestingly, we have another individual in Joshua chapter 10 in the same place, also king of Jerusalem, and his name is Adoni Zadok. So Melchizedek, in the Hebrew Zadok, righteousness, 
and Adoni. And so this is where we get the name Adonai, Lord, Master. It's used of God in many places, and we're going to discuss that today in our lesson, this teaching, why that's important. Melchizedek is king. Mel, Melch is, is the Hebrew for king. Uh, I'm just using the King James, the, the English letters Melch. But Melch is, is where we get the king part, and righteousness is where we get Zadok, Melchizedek, Melchizedek. And then I is my king, actually, or my, my righteousness. And so... Here we have the same thing. He's king of Salem. This is king of Jerusalem. But instead of king, it's Adonai Zadok. But it's tying this idea of righteousness to Jerusalem, interestingly. Now again, the word Adonai, we get that when the Bible translates Lord. So in Genesis 15, the very next chapter, and Abraham said, Lord God. That Lord God right there is where we get the understanding Adon or Adonai is, is how we've heard it probably the most. And that's important for us to unravel this. That's one of the names or titles for God. Here is there, the Lord our God is one and you shall love him. We have one God. We have one master. We have one Lord. Now this again, this term is used, you know, throughout, all over. Even a people. Okay? But when Israel is talking about their God, they can also call him their master, their Lord, and they only have one God. Okay, so, so the same place in Joshua, they come back to this place. And it's interesting that the leader of that place is also tied to the word righteous. And I thought that's interesting. And this is, again, very important that we understand that God is also called Adonai. Back to Genesis 14. Melchizedek is the king of Salem. That guy was the king of Jerusalem. Okay? And so, we have a situation going on here. And we're going to get into that. We're going to unravel that in the morning message. So I want to save that part for this morning's message. What I want to move down to is, is the rest of this verse. It says, and he blessed him. said, blessed be Avram of the Most High God. He keeps talking about the Most High God. Okay? And so there's, there's discussions here. Who is Melchizedek and who does Melchizedek worship? Who, which God is Melchizedek worshiping? And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Okay? And so Exodus chapter 6 verse 3 says, And I appeared in Abraham and in Isaac and in Jacob by the name of God Almighty. Now that's El Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them. And so I'm kind of, this will be a sermon that you can go back to any time that you're dealing with Jehovah Witnesses or anybody in the word Jehovah. So the King James actually is being very faithful to the text here. I want to explain this very carefully. The King James is transliterating what is in the text in English letters as best as they possibly can. So I always told you I'd be faithful to the text, but I need to explain to you what's going on. So Abraham, we're going to find out, is worshiping, obviously, Yahweh. The question is, who is Melchizedek worshiping, and how does he know who God is, and what's he doing? Because all these other people worship other gods. Remember the context of Abraham. Abraham was an idolater from Ur, where they worshiped probably the moon god. And God calls him, and he responds in chapter 12, chapter 13. Has a few bumps in the road, but he's worshiping Yahweh. Okay? Yahweh. But the King James has chosen to make it Jehovah. But it's, in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh. 
So what's going on? Well, maybe I can ask you, what's my last name? Anybody know? What is my last name? Oh, Ruther Ford. <laughs> what? Which one? What is my last name? So I'm trying to figure out, you're going to have to help me to figure out my last name. Now, his dad told me, who is that lady in the Bible? You know that one Moabite lady that's in David's family? What's her name? And you said her name earlier. Ruth. And who's that guy that caused all the trouble in the Roman Catholic Church? Martin somebody. What was his name? Luther. Okay? And my daughter in town goes to which church? The Lutheran church. Now he's talking about his daughter in Shipman. So he said, what is your last name, son? Rutherford or Rutherford? Okay. Now, I have spent my entire life trying to get people to pronounce my name properly according to what my grandfather said. Okay, I've tried forever to get people. I got so disappointed when I went to Bible college that I'd go to every class and they'd all say Rutherford. And I would say Rutherford. And so when my Pentateuch professor, my favorite professor, when he heard me pronounce my name and I got so tired, my name is Rutherford, to this day he calls me Rutherford. He shouts it out. I mean, he says Ruth. He makes sure to get it. Well, hold on to that thought, because we're trying to figure out God's name. This is the problem in Genesis chapter 14. Who is Abraham worshiping, and who is Melchizedek worshiping? And are they worshiping the same God? We're trying to figure out which God, but we've got to figure out these names and pronunciations. What's going on here, okay? So I want you to make sure you understand that, but we'll come back to... We've got to come back to my name yet. We're not there yet. So here it is. Jehovah comes from, on the right side of the screen is Yahweh in the Hebrew that I've showed you. There are no vowel points. Now, in the original text, Hebrew did not use vowel points at all. They figured that anyone reading it could just put the vowel points in. And they would naturally know. Now, sometimes it's kind of confusing because we're not sure. Is it this word? Is it that word? So after, I told you about 250 years before Jesus, let's start with that one. About 250 years before Jesus, they translated the Hebrew into Greek. Well, after Jesus, the Masoretic and the Hebrew and the Jewish people's like, no, we're not, they stole our Bible. We want it back in Hebrew. So they brought the Hebrew back out. And they, over time, decided to put in vowel points. Okay, they put vowel points in. To point the text. So because they wrote it, as you see on the right side of your screen, they wrote it all consonants only. Then it was they created a system to put dots in things, like you see a dot on the left side of your screen above a character, and you see a little tiny T below. They created some vowel points, and those are vowels that they could add to the text to help you with pronunciation. Okay? So... But when they came to the name of God, they decided that God is so unique and powerful. And one of the ancient concepts was, if you knew someone's name, you had power over them. 
Such that when you were children, if the police officer knew your name, I know your daddy. <laughs> you were like, oh, scared. But if you didn't know, then they couldn't give you a ticket or couldn't arrest you or whatever. They didn't know where you lived, you know. All right, so they have power over your name. Well, that same idea is power over the name. So what they decided to do when they came upon the name of Yahweh is they wanted to remind people, when you read the Bible, we do every Sunday morning, we read the Psalms together. When you read the Bible and you come across what's on the right side of your screen, which we would call Yahweh, we don't want you to say Yahweh. We don't want you, as a matter of fact, to this day, we're not 100% sure how to pronounce the name. And we don't know if the rabbis know or not, and they're not telling us. But they don't want the name pronounced. So to fix that, what they did is they took Adonai, the vowels from Adonai, and they stuck it on. They stuck it on Yahweh. So that when you came across it in the text and you would see it, it was a reminder to pronounce it and say Adonai. So whenever they would see it in the text, they would say instead of Yahweh, Jehovah, or anything, they would just say Adonai. Because the vows were there to remind you. They didn't want to change the text because you can't change God's word. But they pointed it with the vows. So that's what's going on. Okay? So when the King James authors saw that, they just went ahead and put it out. Yehovah. Yehovah. But is that God's really God's name? No, it's not. They didn't want you to pronounce God's name. So therefore, even if you say Jehovah, that's definitely wrong. But that wasn't the point. That's not why they did this. They did it so when they saw it, they would say Adonai. Because they didn't want to pronounce the name of God. It's that holy. So let's go on here. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise you the Lord. Now notice Lord here is in all caps. Whenever you see Lord in the King James Bible or many of your translations, it's all capital letters. That's the name of Yahweh. That's the divine name. That's the name he gave Moses at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. This is my name. Okay? This is my name. So the name is Lord. So whenever you see capital L-O-R-D, so for instance in Psalm 110, just one psalm before, Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, The Lord, that would be Yahweh, said unto my Lord, that's Adonai. When you see it in all caps, it's the divine name that he gave Moses at the burning bush. And when it's lowercase, it's actually Adonai. But a Hebrew would say, Adonai said unto Adonai. They would never pronounce the first one is Yahweh or Jehovah. That's interesting that the King James decided to translate it L-O-R-D capital letters instead of putting Jehovah there. But what they would see in the text is Jehovah. But anyone that was a Jew would say Adonai said unto Adonai. Okay? So again, trying to figure out God's name. So back to Genesis 15.2 and Abraham calls him Lord Adonai. Okay, so Abraham calls him Adonai in Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, the very next chapter. But in the Psalms, this gives us a hint on how to pronounce God's name. My, my mentor taught me this. Now, I, had, I told you I worked a job, I worked another job, another church, and my first week there, I got a phone call. They got a phone call, and they turned him over to me because I'm a PhD, and the guy was against the Trinity, and he said there's no Trinity, and he was all about Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, 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 Jehovah. And the Jehovah Witnesses, that's very important, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah. 
Well, Psalm 68 verse 4 gives us a clue as to how to pronounce God's name and why we believe it's Yahweh. Sing unto the Lord, uh, sing unto God, sing praises his name, extol him, him, the right of the heaven, by his name, Yah. The short form, when you want to shorten. So Sherilyn asked me, what is my name? Because taxes. So I said, you've got to use the full-blown King James. What is my name? What's my name? Kenneth. Kenneth. Charles. Ruth the first. Ruth. Okay. We'll get back to that. I haven't resolved that yet. I don't remember if that's this message or this. One of the the messages today, we're going to get back to that. I can't remember which one. Yah is the short form. Ken is my short form. When you want to shorten my name, it's Ken. When they wanted to shorten the name of whatever God's name is, they would say Yah. So by the time the psalmists are singing, they go ahead and they're allowed to say the short form. Yah. And you see that in Yahweh. Yah. That's the short form. Okay? That's the short form. We see that in Revelation 19.1. I gave this. You all know Hallelujah. Well, it's actually Hallelujah in the Hebrew, but the Yah. Praise Hallelujah. And Yah, Yah is his name. Just like my short name is Kim. Okay? In 2 Kings, though, and this is the guy on the phone was trying to tell me why Jehovah is actually God's name. You'll find out that certain, certain people use God's name in their name. One of my best friend's name, we'll get to him, he's one of these people, named after one of these people, because he really likes the fact that God's name is in his name. And he loves it, the fact that his name has God's name. But here's an instance where we have it, Jehoiakim. Okay? Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. Jehoi. But it's actually both. So you have Yah and Yeho both. It's like Yahweh, Yahweh twice. Because they're doing Yeho, Yah, Kin. So it's actually twice. This guy really has the name of God in his name. His parents were really nice when they named him. Because they put Yah in there and Yeho both. And when you extend out the letters of the Hebrew... And change letters, and words would change meaning. Like, I'm Ken. When I was a child, they called me Kenny. Legally, I'm Kenneth. That's what's on my paperwork. So that's, you know. Well, when they change a name, they change the spellings. They keep changing the spellings. Okay? And this is where we get the Yeho. Jehoiakim. It's, it's Yahweh. Now, Jeremiah 22, verse 28, we have another guy. Is this man... Konya, Konyahu, Yah. He's got the name of God in his name. I want you to see this. Yahoo, Yah. That's the name of God. And Josiah, this is Matthew 1, talking about the same person, verse 11, and Jesus' genealogy. They, though, add the J-E. They had the Yakonias in the Greek. But that Yah at the very end, Yas, actually in the, in the Greek. Yah. It's the name of God in his name. Like I told you, Melchizedek, Melk is king. Zadok is righteousness. That's what the name means. This guy has Yah's name in his, his name. Although the, the writers of, of the Greek chose to add the J-E that's not there in the Hebrew. But there it is in the Greek. Jeconiah, we would say. 
Jack and I, we would say. But Germans use the J, it's soft. They would say, Yekaniah. That's how we got it, the hard J. We made it a hard J. You know, I, I remember growing up, I was so angry at the St. Louis Cardinals because there was a guy named De Jesus on their team. And I'm like, you can't have the name of God, Jesus, in your name. How in the world? Could, but the Spanish people, but it's Jesus. The Cardinal baseball player was named De Jesus. I'm like, how can you have Jesus? That is too sacred. Why should anyone name their child Jesus? It's hey or Yah. It's a softer pronunciation than Hebrew. But the Germans gave it to us as Yah. But then we made it Jeconiah. Now here's, here's this is going to help us. This is Zadok. Zedekiah in 2 Kings 24 verse 17. There's a king named Zedekiah. Zedekiah, Zedekiah, Sedak, there's the righteousness, Yahoo, there is Yahoo, there is Yahweh, there's the divine name with righteousness. So Zedekiah's name means that Yahweh is righteous. That's what his name means. His parents named him after Yahweh, highlighting the fact that Yahweh is righteous. Tying it to Melchizedek, Sadok. And remember, Adonai is another king in Ju- uh, Jer- uh, Joshua chapter 10. That's Adonai, Sadok. Adonai is righteous. The king, referring to which king? The one I worship, the king of all gods. So, we move for another example. In Ezra chapter 3, verse 2, we have Jehozadak. It's Yo Sadok. That Yo is Yahweh is upright. So even this one has Yo has a Yahweh in his name is upright or righteous. Sadok, righteous. Haggai chapter 1, verse 1. Yehozadek is the same thing. Yeho, Sadok. Again, Yahweh is upright or Yahweh is righteousness. So when we get back to this again, to clarify, what they did is what they put in the text was the consonants. For Yahweh, which we don't even know what the vowels go in. We only know it's Y-H-W-H. Or it can be V. It was early In early Hebrew, it was pronounced like a W. In later Hebrew, it was pronounced like a V. Today, most Jews will pronounce it with a V sound. That letter in Hebrew. It's called a Vav today. But some people say it's, wa, it's a W sound. So it, it went over. So what you have is the consonants from Yahweh... Combined with the vows of Adonai. So when they would read the name of Yahweh in the text, they would always say Adonai. So I'm trying to tell you that the King James is actually faithful to what the Masoretic text says. The Hebrew text that we have that's about a thousand years old, they actually put this in there. They put the name of God and they inserted the letters for Adonai to remind any Jewish Reader, you cannot pronounce the name of God. It's too holy to say Adonai. But they don't want to change the text. So they added those vowel points to the entire Hebrew Bible. And when they came across the name of God, they put in the vowel points for Adonai. So that you would be reminded to say Adonai. Or whenever you come, because you cannot pronounce the name of God. But we are, because of, I have to go back now, because of Psalm, the Yah, that I, I just went through all those Yahs, 
Let me go back and see if I can find my Yah. In Psalm, I lost him. Where are you at? There you are. Psalm 68, verse 4. Yeah, because the short form is Yah, we know that Yehovah cannot work. Grammatically in Hebrew. Because when you lengthen it back out, it's not going to be. As a matter of fact, what's the Vah? What's the Vah? It's Yeho. But what's the Vah all about? So it doesn't actually work that well. My Hebrew, uh, my mentor who uh, did his, is, is known for Semitic languages, Hebrew and all the Semitic languages, all the Semi language, you know, that the Roman languages, Latin languages, like Spanish and stuff, they're all based on the same kind of idea. Well, Hebrew and other languages that are all in the same kind of category from the ancient world are all called Semitic languages. And when you follow the rules of grammar from Semitic languages to go from Yah to what we believe the scholars today, Yahweh is probably how you would pronounce it. There's no way you can get to Jehovah. You just can't get there. When you lengthen it back out, following the rules of grammar, I don't want to go into the grammar rules, but it just you're guaranteed. But just because you have these names I gave you, and that's what they use in their arguments, said, see, they have Yeho. I showed you Yeho. Yeho Yakim. And that's what they go to. They go to Yeho Yakim. Jehoiakim. He's Jeho, and it means Yahweh. So why can't we have Jehovah? And Jehovah Witnesses are sold on the name of God being Jehovah. And what they're doing is they're being faithful to the text. But the text is only a thousand years old. A thousand years ago, we got this, we got other texts that are older, but as far as a complete copy of the Hebrew Bible, it moved through the centuries, and the complete copy that we have, the most complete copy that's that's ninety-some percent complete, there's some damage because of fire, damage because of some it got wet or whatever, and it's a thousand years old, the documents, but pretty much the documents that we have of the Hebrew Bible are about a thousand years old, and the Masoretes put those vowel points in as best as they understood what the text originally was. Now, does it mean that the Bible changed? No, because we have scrolls from the Dead Sea that we go back to the time of Christ or before that show us, and I taught you about that in Isaiah. We have a complete copy of Isaiah that's remarkably similar to this Isaiah we have that's about a thousand years ago. So the text hasn't changed. Okay, the Masoretes added those vowel points because they thought those who were trained in the Bible would know what the Bible would say. They would know how to read it. Okay, now again, when Jesus went to the scroll in Nazareth, there is debate. We don't know for sure if he read from the Hebrew scroll or from the Greek scroll. Because the church, the synagogue at Nazareth could have quite well have used a Greek scroll. When he pulled the copy of Isaiah, was he reading from the Hebrew? Was he reading from the Greek? We're not 100% sure which one he was reading from. Because it's quite possible because they went from Hebrew to Greek because people in Jesus' day didn't know Hebrew that well. And that's when the problem came. And so that's why they translated the Bible beginning about 250 years before Jesus, roughly. The pagan people wanted to know 
They have the ancient text. We want to know the revelation of all the revelation that we have from all of humans talking about God. So these Jews are a bunch of people we know Jews. What do you believe? Translate your scriptures for us into our language so that we can understand what you are saying. And then they wanted to like mix it. So Alexander the Great would go conquer people all the time. He would conquer people and he would they would just add their stuff in, whatever fit. Now you're going to speak Greek. Now you're part of the Greek empire. But we're not going to necessarily delete your stuff. We're just going to incorporate it in. We'll kind of mix it in and we'll mix everything up together. Kind of like a church potluck, right? You bring your dish, you bring your dish, you bring your gods. And we'll kind of mix them all together. And we'll accommodate and so they were kind of wanting to accommodate. And then how do God's people accommodate themselves? So it was an opportunity for our scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, to be translated in the main language of that day so that then people could communicate the truth of God. And the Jews obviously wanted to keep it rock solid, keep and not mix they're not wanting to mix. But at the same time, they have the ability, and Philo the Jew is one of the most famous examples that lived in the first century, the same time as Jesus, and he would often use the Hebrew Scriptures in Greek to explain to the Greek or Greco-Roman world why Moses is superior to Plato and all your stuff. Plato just stole it from Moses. It's truth that came down, but Moses had it first. And what Plato says he got because Moses already had it. So he was able to use it to speak to the Greco-Roman world on behalf of the Jews. Okay, that's what he was doing. So, the idea here is, grammatically, it is impossible for God's name to be Jehovah. The Jews put that in, the Masoretes put that in the Bible, so even if you by mistake said Jehovah, you would not pronounce the name of God. I'm telling you, Jehovah is not God's name. I'm telling you why Jehovah is in the King James Bible is because it's in the text that we have. Jehovah is there. Not in all of them. Some of them choose not to point Yahweh. But that's what happened. So Jehovah is not God's name. So whenever you say Jehovah, you're not getting it right. You're definitely not getting it right. Okay? That was intentional. The Jews were intentional so that you would not pronounce the name of God correctly. By mistake and say the name of God. As a matter of fact, like I said, we don't even know. Yahweh is our best guess. Scholars' best guess. Those who spend their whole life in Studying these languages, that's the best guess. That Yahweh is, it's got to be two syllables because of Yah. You cannot take it and extend it out. Unless you add something to it. When you add something to it, then you can get the Yeho. When you add something to it, it can be extended out. Then you can get that Yeho. But alone it can't be Jehovah. There has to be something else in there. And then you're not saying the name of God, you're saying the name of a king. You're saying that God is this or God is that. 
So you have those songs that people take from the Hebrew, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah this, Jehovah that. Those are compounded things that they're trying to say, God is my healer, God is my victory, God is my whatever. And those are in the Bible. But it's still, it's not Jehovah, it's not the proper name to pronounce God. I just want to let you know that. That when you say Jehovah, you're actually not pronouncing God's name right on purpose, by design, of the text. That the Jews, remember, the Christians latched on to the Greek translation of the Hebrew text. And over 60% of the time when the New Testament writers are quoting the Old Testament, they're using the Greek because they're speaking to Greek people, people who speak Greek. Obviously, I don't read Hebrew for you here. Obviously, I don't read Greek, and you're always confused when I do, and this message may be confusing. You're like, you're giving us too much Greek and Hebrew. Because you're English speakers. So I have to speak to you in English. So, because the Christians translate the scriptures from Hebrew into Greek, and they're using the Greek one, the after the temple was destroyed... They said, we screwed up. We've made God angry. Our temple's destroyed. We need to return to the original language. And because this Jesus fellow shows up, and all these prophecies in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, that's their Bible, the Hebrew Bible. All these prophecies about Jesus, they start discrediting. As a matter of fact, they try to discredit Melchizedek. We'll get into it later on. They're going to talk about Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 7. Justin, martyr, is speaking to a Jew after Jesus, having a great debate, using Melchizedek, tying him to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 7, the author does this. And it says that Melchizedek had no parents. And so he makes a point that we're going to talk about today in the rest of our services about Melchizedek and the fact that he has no parents. So what is my last name? Because if I came from the wild goose... I'm really confused now what my last name is if I came from the wild good. Melchizedek has no parents. What the Jews do with that? They say, well, his parents were probably, maybe his mother did something and she, he's a, he doesn't know his father. I don't know if I can use some, you know, words trying to keep it clean. But a woman that has a child and we don't know who the father is. That's what the Jews start doing in Melchizedek because they don't want the connections between Jesus and Melchizedek to stand. So the Jews will begin to talk bad about Melchizedek and his parents because they want to talk bad about Jesus because again, Mary shows up pregnant after going to see Elizabeth all by herself for several months and she comes back to Nazareth and she's showing and I'm like, what did you do when you went to visit your cousin Elizabeth? You know? In John chapter 8, they say to Jesus, just who is your father? Our father's Abraham! Who is your daddy? So the Jews do it in John 8 with Jesus. And later Jews will do it with Melchizedek. Because they don't want to make these connections. So the idea is, Melchizedek did not know the name Yahweh. God didn't introduce himself at the burning bush. 
He says, at the burning bush, they don't know me by my name. Because Moses says, you want me to go down to Egypt? Who is sending me? Who, what do I say? What's your name? How do I tell them? They're going to ask me, who in the world did you meet at the burning bush? Who did you meet on the mountain? And he says, they didn't know me by my name. Melchizedek doesn't know him by his name. So Melchizedek cannot say what his name is. But as we're going to get into the text more this morning, Abraham is going to correct him. And Abraham is going to say, yeah, you and I worship the same God. But let me tell you, his name is, he's going to use Yahweh. He's going to use Yahweh. He's going to make sure that we understand who the Most High God is. Abraham is going to clear it up as we get into Genesis 14 and make it pristine clear that I worship Yahweh. That's who it is. Now Abraham is there at a confederation of a bunch of people. We have a bunch of kings. It was a war, five kings versus four kings. He's got all these people that he is an international thing going on. Nine kings went to battle. And he's going to represent Yahweh before all those kings that are from the people from Genesis 10 and 11 that split off from God and left, stopped worshiping God and went to worship other gods. And he's going to clarify. Now, Melchizedek, I'm going to give you this tithe, but it's going to the Most High God who is my God. And you worship the same God. You just didn't know his name. You didn't know his name. There are people out there throughout history, who have cried out to God, not knowing Jesus, not knowing His name, but they were crying out to the right one, they just didn't know Him until somebody came and told them about Jesus. They just know. And Melchizedek didn't know His name, but he was worshiping the right God. And so, what is my last name? You'll have to ask them, I don't know. Because I'm still, it's a wild goose chase figuring out my name. But anyway, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Abraham and Melchizedek worship you. And we can have the example. And we can stand before a world that's looking after everything else but you. And we can be like Abraham. We can be like Melchizedek. And we can proclaim Jesus to the nations. Just as they did in that situation in Genesis chapter 14. Jehovah is not how you pronounce your name. It doesn't matter because you gave us a new name. You gave us the name of Jesus. And we have all power in that name. So we thank you for Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.